This is Geeks Unleashed, episode 30. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 30. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Uh, each week, we normally cover the news of the week and cover Christmas uh, current reviews. However, this week, there'll be five of us duking it out for the king of the Christmas movie um, in our end of year Geeks Unleashed Christmas Party podcast episode. And we couldn't do it alone, so we thought it'd be fun to invite some guests. And just in case, there's a spoiler warning. This is a review show. So if you haven't had a chance to keep up with the whirlwind that was 2020, we are going to be kind of quickly brushing through a couple of things. So if you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to pause this and come back a little bit later. And then at the very end, we will tell you some of the best things that we saw, watched, read this year. So Um, before we jump into battle, though, I just wanted to sort of reflect on the year a little bit, as I did, as we were kind of putting this episode together. Um, it's been a crazy year, which started with sort of fires in Australia, COVID-19, which ruined everybody's lives, uh, lockdowns, which ruined my life even further. And um, obviously, Black Lives Matter, Brexit, US elections. However, I think what's united us all, actually, and probably made us more appreciative than ever is the arts. And I think that's sort of really got us through reading comics, streaming stuff online, and, you know, just even this podcast alone, it's just been sort of, I think this con- content has really got me through this year. So thanks everyone, well, for joining, but everyone that's like listened to us as well, just smash out like weekly reviews. It's been amazing. So. Yeah, definitely. And then to introduce our guest today, we are joined by Stephen Fox of Fox Storytelling. Wave to everyone, Stephen. How are you guys? <laughs> Uh, we are also joined by Robbie Billups of the Pop Culture Philosophers. Hey, pop, Robbie. Pop. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't you mean, don't you mean station? Station. <laughs> station. <laughs> and we also have Peggy of Peggy at the Movies. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive right in. We're going to give each other a few minutes. Each of us picked a different non-traditional Christmas film to battle with. Uh, I'm not sure who's, who, who are we going to get to kick it off? I, I've put the ladies first, and I thought it'd be nice for Peggy to go first. All right, okay. Peggy, you're up. Here we go. So I picked The Family Man. Nicholas Cage, I mean, he's coming out of that time in the 90s when he was really, really big. And this is like 2000, 2001, right around there. He does a comedy, and I loved it. I mean, it's got Tay Leone, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven. He's going through a whole kind of body, you know, change, like a Groundhog Day body change. He's a sees a life that he, you know, he's a high-powered businessman. It's all money, 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 me, 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 selfish, selfish. And what would have happened if he would have taken this flight when he left college to go see his girlfriend? he sees that alternative life and he decides to pick at the end now there is a part where all of a sudden they're in valentine's day because he's in a flashback but most of it is in christmas and it is just a feel-good happy moral of the story what like fun movie christmas i it, it kind of reminded me of um it's a wonderful life like if, if it was sort of like a modern take on It's a Wonderful Life where he's like this 
rich, selfish investment banker that ha- supposedly he thinks he has everything he wants. Um, and then he gets sort of a, a glimpse, uh, as Don Cheadle says, before he sends him to an alternate reality. Oh, yeah, Don Cheadle, too. Yeah. That was the end of that small part. Yeah. That's right. As the, oh, my gosh. I could probably, and I meant to, like, I had it written down who was in it. And then I, when I, I lost the piece of paper. And I just, <laughs> thank you for that. He was great in that little part. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was okay i did i did not like the ending i i was with it for most of the movie but then it got to the ending and it was kind of like well why should taylioni give up her trip to paris like to keep Although, going yeah. with her business because nicholas cage was the one that messed up and decided oh you know what i do kind of want that life yeah actually i agree with you like because he was at the airport and he didn't bother going back for her so he went off and had his life yeah and now like like you say like 15 20 years later or whatever it is he rocks up and says no don't you get on the plane you know come out and she does it goes for, she should have been like no fuck you like i'm going to paris <laughs> right. like, like, um so I, I actually equally was disappointed but i was equally disappointed that all you see them is just going for a coffee as the titles come up and i'm like right well, yeah. we see that's the point is you don't know. It leaves yeah. you yeah. in that. So like, maybe she did get on a later flight. Right. Or she got on yeah, the yeah. Too, it's like, th- that's what it says to me is that's also what they both led. Like if you, when you see her at the end, she's also living a selfish me, me, me life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't get married. She didn't have kids. But that's really kind of both what they wanted. Yeah. So maybe maybe we can hope that she got a later flight and met a man in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And maybe he found someone else, but yeah, no, I, 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 the film was all right. Like, um, it was probably a better Nicolas Cage movie. Um, uh, more of his current films just head more and more towards just nonsense. Um, right. But, but yeah, I think since he did Ghost Rider, it was all downhill. Um, but yeah, some of his, <laughs> some of his earlier. I mean, movies. do you remember, like, in the night, like you know, the nineties and the night, he was it. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the nineties. He was the it man. Yeah. Oh yeah, and no, a lot of his earlier stuff, like Face Off, Face Off, Gone. And this is kind of when that was yeah. kind of coming to its tail end, you know. <laughs> for, for the film, I thought it was all right. It was a film you probably could have maybe watch with children above 12 like you know it was, mm-hmm. it was probably probably not a young family uh film but no yeah there's a few sexual references and stuff but like other than that it's generally quite a nice film and although don Cheadle had three scenes in it he was amazing <laughs> in all three of them yeah. um and I did love the sort of the mysteriousness about Don Cheadle, like when um, the kid right because they never bother to explain like is no. he a fairy right. godfather? Like are yeah. you, are you magic? Who is like, is he an angel? You? Is yeah. he an, you know yeah. like they never said right? I, I felt like it was like the angel thing because somebody comes in and um, uh, when he's behind the counter and hands him a dollar and then <clears> they give him change of ten dollars. Oh yeah, uh, and then he gets gets out a pad and writes down a few notes and says. Um, uh, something along the lines of um, I'm weighing that up or taking note of that or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right, because like, and and right, it's, it's like it gives her the opportunity to get to say it's incorrect change. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's the test, kind yeah, of like, exactly. you know. And that's um, like a kind of good little sub thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Stephen, Stephen, did you watch it? I did. And I actually, <clears throat> and Peggy, I have a confession that I shared with everybody else earlier. <laughs> Uh, I got my I got my uh, that era of Nicolas Cage movies kind of mixed up and watched half of the Weatherman before I realized I was watching the wrong movie. <laughs> but that being said, it's like I do feel like uh, that movie is kind of a moment in time. 
because there's mm -hmm. all, there are all of these um, similar to like the reference uh, that you guys made about Tia Leone being the one to sacrifice her life a little bit. That's kind of, you know, <clears throat> that was something that happened kind of early 2000s. And then people became more like even handed in the way they handled those kind of things. But like Brett Ratner, he made some good movies. Mm -hmm. uh, Rush Hour is one of my favorite movies. Um, and then it was like later that things got crazy and his reputation got weird and all that and right. page uh he's an awesome actor like raising arizona is one of my favorite movies um <clears throat> he's you know con air and uh peggy Garnet sue like got a married hello yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's done some, he's done some awesome stuff and a lot of like legit acting stuff you know um this was like pre-wicker man somebody else right. <laughs> that for me what was jasmine you mentioned a point in like a movie was it ghost rider yeah oh no i said ghost rider <laughs> oh yeah, did, yeah. yeah mark yeah. sorry but yeah for me that it was wicker man when i saw him in the bear suit i was very grateful for that <laughs> uh that's like one of the most wonderful wonderful <laughs> pop culture moments in my life <laughs> but like the other thing is tia leone uh I watched I watched her on Herman's Head, which was like a really obscure. Oh my god! I used to love that show. I know. <laughs> Herman's Head. Oh, oh my, my god! god. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about a blast from the past. <laughs> I know, it, right? Off. Yeah, man. But I was like, wow, I think she's gonna be a pretty big deal. And she did. She's done some cool stuff. But like Deep Impact, I think was kind of the peak. Um, Bad Boys was was a pretty good role for her oh, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Bad Boys kind of kicked her off into the mainstream, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she went yeah. film, and then she went. She got older and had kids and family, and then you get you. She does TV. That's what they, you know, that was yeah. the thing to do was go into TV. I always kind of felt like she she could have been like a like one of the top tiers. Um, mm -hmm. Not that you know, not to rank. <laughs> right. No. No. But I know what you, you know mean. What I mean. Yeah. So. I think we all get it. Yeah, yeah, but I actually I I I appreciated more just kind of seeing all those different talents back in that era, um, and it is it is a a kind of charming story. So, and it it had a lot of Christmas in it. I mean, I'll I'll give it that. There, you know, there's they were up in Chicago or outskirts yeah. of Chicago. There was snow very cold, everywhere. very snowy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It had all the trimmings of a of a proper Christmas film. There were Christmas decorations, Christmas gifts, Christmas trees. So it all counts. And in my defense, Weatherman takes place in Chicago. So yes, it does. you know, and, and when you think about it, I mean, Weatherman, yeah, I mean, I see how you did. I, I see where you went with that, though. It, it kind of like there's a bridge that I understand that how you crossed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's mostly that I'm phenomenally stupid. So <laughs> trust me, I was literally watching, tr watching, uh, well, we'll wait till we get to Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found it on AMC and I was like, I recorded it because it was having too many commercials. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to watch it. So I think probably we'll move on to um, our other lady on the podcast. Uh, Jasmine, right. do you want to kick off yours? Yes. So trading yep. places. Okay. Now people might say that's more of a New Year's film, but uh okay, yes. It did cover it does, Christmas and New Year. Yeah, though. it covers the whole two week spectrum of like yeah. the holiday season, right? Yeah. Right. What you call the holiday. Yeah, right. exactly. For so sure. Trading Places is a staple in my family. We literally watch it every year. Um it is a <laughs> it is a <laughs> film about 
revenge in my book like that's that's how I categorize Trading Places it is a film about revenge um it stars Jamie Lee Curtis Dan Aykroyd Eddie Murphy uh it is hilarious uh, it is very inappropriate. Probably wouldn't hold up to a lot of the standards like in this day and age. Um, this, this film is in no way politically correct at all. Not at all. Um, um, I actually, I think this movie came out before I was born, but um, it's one of those- Ouch! Like, sorry. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> But it is one of those things that is, it's it's a classic in my book. I mean, it starts out with Eddie Murphy being his usual hilarious self. It was out in 1983. Yeah, that's before I was born. Oh, shit. Like, <laughs> what? Okay, hold oh, on. Let no. me just light up the, no. like, just hold on. I was like, hold on a minute. Like, that film came out when I was born. Oh, like, uh, Sorry, guys. Robbie is being suspiciously silent. Yeah, I yeah. What's, may going, also be. what's going I on? Was, I was born when this movie had, had come out. Okay. <laughs> I was two. Uh, I was two. Okay. Well, I, I didn't realize that I was the, I'm sorry, guys. Okay. My, I don't my take apologies. Offense. My apologies. <laughs> no, I watched it in the theaters. It was a high school for me. So there. Oh okay. <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's, but again, like, it's one of those things. I, I grew up on this movie, so it doesn't feel dated to me. But it kind of starts out with Eddie Murphy. He's this con man. He gets caught up by the police playing this, <laughs> this like uh, disabled veteran that has no legs, but he really does. Obviously, <laughs> he gets arrested. He goes to jail, um, and somehow, some kind of way, the the Dukes, the Duke brothers, uh, kind of catch up to him, and they make a wager, and they decide, I bet that we can take this poor guy and make him rich and take this rich guy and make him miserable and the bet is one dollar so one dollar between these wealthy millionaire brothers and they set out to of course ruin ruin someone's life and the life that ends up getting ruined is dan Aykroyd's life he's uh sort of a partner in in this up-and-coming firm They, they basically oust him he gets ostracized by all of his friends uh, he has nowhere to go. He loses his uh, butler. He loses <laughs> his house. He loses oh. everything. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, like I said, I this think. would not hold up in this day and age. Like nobody would feel sorry for Dan Ack right now. Butler's got to yeah. eat too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is so funny. There's so many cameos in this film. It's you've got uh, John Belushi makes a cameo as the guy in the gorilla suit on the train. Uh, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it as the movie progresses, it's like Dan Aykroyd's life gets worse and worse and worse, and Eddie Murphy's life gets better and better and better. Eventually, the two of them cross paths when they and they realize kind of what's happening. So now that they have realized what's going on, they set out to turn the tables on the dukes and that is when everything gets really good but my favorite sequence in the film is probably when dan Aykroyd gets really drunk goes to the christmas party steals a santa suit 
walks around and terrorizes everyone at the party. He is so belligerent. He is so messed up. He's got this little pistol. I don't remember where he got the pistol from. Oh, he um, <laughs> he traded in his watch. And got yes, the, thank yeah. you. So he's brandishing this gun. He steals meat. He like eats raw salmon. He puts all of this food in his pocket. And it is, it's, I mean, it is just hilarious. I laugh the entire time I'm watching this movie. And like I said, it's one of those things that my family and I quote all the time. So at the very beginning, when Eddie Murphy is in, in the jail cell, he's in the jail cell with these two like really hulky black dudes that don't really say too much. And at one point, Eddie Murphy is just kind of like shooting the shit, talking about, oh yeah, I did this and I did that. And this one guy just looks over at him and goes, yeah. It's so, like, that's one of the things that me and my dad do to each other all the time. Like I come over to the house and my dad will ask me a question and I'll just go, yeah and we <laughs> automatically know like that's that's what we're talking about so and then well, of course, i think very- being young and when i when we first I, that was a big that yeah was yeah. that was for a long time yeah so we still very we still quote so. that uh my brother and i will reenact the scene where like dan Aykroyd is choking eddie murphy and eddie murphy is like it was the dukes it was the dukes <laughs> so there's just so much of this movie that is like ingrained in my family um and then of course at the very end the dan Aykroyd and uh eddie murphy get their revenge there's so- they're selling frozen concentrated orange juice stocks. Uh, very, very big deal. Uh, so eventually they get the jump on what's going to be happening with this stock before it goes live on January 1st. They make a killing. They make the Dukes poor, which is a thing some people would appreciate in this day and age. Rich <laughs> yeah, dudes yeah. like that suddenly becoming poor. Um, and then they like live their best life on this island with, they take the butler, Coleman, so Coleman yeah. has a girlfriend now and Eddie Murphy has a girlfriend. And then of course, Jamie Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd wind up together. So they're all on this island. And at the very end of the movie, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis are on the yacht and Eddie Murphy and Coleman and their girls are like on the beach. And <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is like, looking good, Billy Ray. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy's like, feeling good. It's just, it's a feel good movie. Like it starts out crazy. It's hilarious. And then the rich dudes lose in the end. And the best part, which is very, again, inappropriate. But at the end, when one of the brothers has a heart attack after they realize that they're poor and the older brother is like, I don't care. Fuck him, turn those machines back on. Like we have to get our money back. <laughs> uh, I so, love the difference. Point the where they turn in the, and the old guy is homeless and, and Eddie Murphy turns and gives him a wad of cash and just like drops yeah. it in like in like the same they did to him. Like he reversed they, Don't the they tape. do that in Coming to America? Like isn't there like a little bit in Coming to America where they're same two dukes or like yeah, homeless? They, they, oh, that's yeah. what it is. It's in Coming yeah. to America. That's what it is. Yeah, gives him a yeah, wad yeah, of cash. The, yeah, the Jukes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The Jukes are in Coming to America, aren't they? Like it's homeless That little bit roll, that's what it was. But um, so yeah, what I thought of it is, is a Christmas like, staple. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I agree with you. It's probably one of the funniest movies ever done. Mm-hmm. But see, how it might work, though, is like you're never rooting. You go like, oh, it's not you that feels sorry for the audience isn't feeling sorry for the rich guys. They're feeling sorry for themselves, which is kind of like how the world, you know, what would be now. And then yeah. that, you know, when it the tables are flipped, it, it's really you're always cheering for Eddie Murphy and and them to to win, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. You're always cheering for that. You're never so in a weird way. It's really off political, but they could re- you know what I mean. It could be today. 
Yeah, they could remake this movie in this day and age, and it would it would fit with the times, I right? Think, for sure. Yeah. I think um, when yeah. I was watching it, when I was watching it, I think um, I was quite shocked by like I guess it's a film of its time, the racism, and but I think the racism in a way made you realize that actually the Dukes were the bad guys because yeah. although they made this bet, which wasn't nice, like when Eddie Murphy's in the uh, the toilet uh, in the cubicle. Oh, yeah. Um, and he basically hears them use um, inappropriate language, and um, which obviously I'm not going to say. But like that, obviously, is the moment that Eddie Murphy's like, "No, these guys are," you know, he doesn't say anything, but you can see it in his face. He's like, "No, these guys are not actually the guys they're making themselves out to be." So then right. he finds Dan Aykroyd's character, and um, and that's what I like. I actually do. I love it from that point onwards, really. Like because you know it's heading towards something, mm-hmm. but I love it that he goes out to seek the drunk. Santa with the dirty, <laughs> uh, dirty beard. Yeah. Right? And like, Dan Aykroyd is just perfect in this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what about um, Robbie? Did you have you had a chance to watch it? Oh yes, I love Trading Places. This <laughs> this movie's great. And it, what you were talking about, how it would be very appropriate today. It's almost a sad thing because yeah. you know this movie's made in '83, and this is as we're leading into the the Reaganomics mm-hmm. and the Wall Street era. You know, greed is good, Gordon Gecko, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So this movie should have been viewed as a warning before it led to that and now today it's probably even more necessary of a thematic movie mm-hmm. and i love how i never i don't usually consider it a christmas movie i always kind of forget that it takes place in those areas but uh uh-huh. it's got a great cast i mean oh yeah eddie murphy just dominated the 80s and comedies some of the best dan Aykroyd's golden yes. john landis one of my favorite directors <laughs> it, it, whether yeah. it's horror or whether it's comedy and he's done some outstanding stellar comedies trading places is one of them mm-hmm. it's a great movie um it's got a great theme to it that's still very relevant and was actually even a little bit i think ahead of its time thematically yeah um and it also has ralph bellamy who was in the original wolfman and right. he's, he's one of the old white rich dudes who yeah yeah any movie yeah. that that makes old rich white dudes look bad i'm usually down i know it's, it's a great <laughs> movie right <laughs> I, mean, it's great that's what I mean you just oh like it just makes you think so much of like you know what what like they just turned down a stimulus for us because it was six hundred dollars too much do you know what i mean millionaires it's a it's a great statement on 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 the class system and and also racism and the way that they're kind of integrated together Mm -hmm. yep so it's uh, also incredibly funny Yes. Oh yeah, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> it's not like some kind of like Citizen Kane or nothing. It's really funny. No, no, it's, right. it's hilarious. Citizen Kane is funny too. It starts off quite serious, I think. Like it's actually right. very serious. Yeah. It's very serious. It's actually very serious until Eddie Murphy comes in on his <laughs> weird skateboard thing. Um, <laughs> and, like, and and honestly, from the moment he comes in, uh-huh. it, it does change the film. Honestly, he's su- Eddie Murphy is one of the probably the best comedic actors going and then yeah. from that point onwards you're like okay this is not the serious film it started as mm-hmm. and yeah. then i i love the evolution of dan Aykroyd's character mm-hmm. but actually um jamie lee curtis really stood out for me um one i was just shocked that a film in 1983 just had so much nudity in it i was i didn't think films <laughs> like that existed back then like um, so, that, that but... was her first time doing nudity on film <laughs> which anyways, i learned but... from scream wow by the way. i did not know that Oh yeah. no, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, I but I loved, I lo- but I loved her as an actress in this film. Though I thought she was really good. Like oh, yeah. I, I she's thought she great. was. 
And, uh, and I loved her evolution as a character as well. But she, from the moment you meet her, she's a businesswoman. Like, she, it's business. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's prostitution or the stock exchange. But she's she, very she's, strategic oh, in everything yeah. that she does. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good film. I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I haven't seen this for a long, long time. So I did think it was actually quite a nice Christmas film. And like, not, you know, it was a bit feel good because um, Eddie Murphy and Dan Edwards' character and Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis' character and even the butler, they all get a nice happy ending, obviously. Yeah. And then I guess as an audience, like you say, we get a happy ending because we see the rich guys lose. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think it did have a point of serious too, like when he realized he was getting played. Mm-hmm. And then like we brought up the bathroom scene. That, that's serious. He's serious has to contemplate like these people are doing this to me and the fact that they bet a dollar yeah one dollar you know that's serious i mean that while it's funny and he's making it funny there's a tone to it too yeah, yeah. you know oh yeah they, they play the tone in the right places it's not mm-hmm. it's not comedy all the time in the right in the right places it is serious and 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 it's a perfect balance right it's a perfect balance and uncomfortable in in places as well when they do the racism it, it's not there's no humor around any of that it, mm-hmm. you know it's it's done yeah you know the difference between humor and and its seriousness but we'll we'll, we'll bring trading places to a close and um we will let robbie jump in with uh with gremlins gremlins which is just by far the best christmas movie of all time it is <laughs> by far my favorite christmas movie of all time it's one of my favorite movies jasmine was talking about how she grew up with trading places I grew up with gremlins. Everything was gremlins. I loved gremlin cereal. I had these <laughs> boys. You would throw them in the water. They would get bigger. They were, was, <laughs> my life was ruled by gremlins. And they also terrify me. The only, I'm a big horror movie fan. And the only things that really scare me and have so far to get into my dreams on a consistent basis throughout my whole life are gremlins and Jurassic Park raptors. So there's oh, the raptors. Billions, right? Um, <laughs> This movie's great. Directed by the great Joe Dante. He did The Howling. He did Looney Tunes back in action. That's right. That movie's a classic. (laughs) Daffy Duck steals the Batmobile. What more could you want? Small soldiers, piranha. Joe Dante is a master at melding horror and comedy. And that's what this is. And then you bring in the genius touch of Steven Spielberg, because when Christopher Columbus, or Chris Columbus, I should say, the different different guy. Um, <laughs> when Chris Columbus initially came up with this this idea, it was a straight horror film. Like the mom gets decapitated by a gremlin, and Billy comes home and finds the mom's head at the foot of the stairs. The gremlin kicks it down, and do you see what I see? And do you hear what I hear? Is playing on the record player because it's messed up and it's skipping. And but Spielberg was like, you know, we could actually make a lot of money if we just kind of Spielberg this up, and that's what he does. And between Dante, Columbus, and Spielberg, and the brilliant actors that are in the film, Zach Callahan, um, Phoebe Cates, this movie is essential Christmas to me. One of my favorite things about Christmas movies is that during Christmas season, you have people with all these multicolored lights everywhere. And I love the use of color, especially in cinematography in film. Joe Dante uses the hell out of the Christmas colors. The gremlins are green with red eyes. Um, I, I love it. It is so Christmas. It is so just immersed into the culture of it. And it's directly speaking about Christmas. It's about a father who's so disconnected from his son, trying to worry about his own thing. He doesn't even realize what's going on in his own son's life. And so he tries to give them the best gift possible. But even though they're well-placed intentions, they can be misguided when you don't know what you're doing and it leads to chaos. So it's about that 
lack of family connection. It's about consumerism and commercialism in Christmas. The gremlins are literally us shopping, running around like mad mischievous creatures, messing everything up around the holiday season, just causing chaos and commotion. It's an anti-technology film too. The gremlins, of course, from folklore dating back to what? Uh, I think it's the Second World Wars where the gremlin mythology kind of really started. But, you know, they get into machines and they wreck things. And, and all the technology in this movie, it doesn't work. All the dad's inventions, the car that never starts until it. And I love that. That's a brilliant thing about this movie. Instead of Billy getting into a car and it doesn't turn on, they set up that the car doesn't work. And then when he needs it, it does work. And so that's fantastic. The use of color, the great characters, the blend of comedy, action, horror. There's some truly scary moments. Um, it is kind of a family film and it's kind of not. It's one of the films that gave us the PG-13 rating. This was rated PG. Spielberg wanted PG-13 going forward because this is one of those movies that kind of falls in between, but I love it. And it's so quintessentially Christmas. It is literally about a Christmas gift and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Grim. <laughs> <laughs> that keeps on you giving that. <laughs> that's off the dome oh yeah, yeah yeah he just he just woke up five minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> no um like I, I read actually that uh christopher columbus or i think it was christopher columbus he wrote this speech as a, a like a writing exercise so wrote the uh script for gremlins as a writing exercise and he had no intention of ever this being made um but steven spielberg came across it and bought it and um and like you say he spielberg it up um but he actually what i like is the origin of gremlins comes from when chris columbus was living in um, an apartment and during the day he might see the odd mouse or two but at night he said they used to really come alive and he could be laying there in his bed hearing like all the mice running around the skirting boards and all that kind of stuff and and that somehow in his brain he created gremlins from from the fear of those mice in his in his apartment uh so it's quite cool to hear the origin and the other thing i thought was really cool is as um because i watched this only a couple of days ago i have seen it before but not for ages um but as it's opening i was like no way we're back to the future i was like it's the same it's, set, right? it's same set. Yeah, yeah yeah it's so this Valley, was made baby. yeah this is Hill Valley. so like this is made in 1984 and uh back to the future like one of my like, honestly one of my most favorite films ever like 1985 and i hadn't realized that until a couple of days ago i was like oh, oh you know amazing so um yeah like I, I do see where you're coming from obviously like it's a lot of these type of films they like they've got the horror which is kind of the obstacle but like the family reuniting at the end when they when they reunited so they kind of i wouldn't say they're not together at the beginning but the dad is kind of preoccupied with his machinery and gadgets rather than his children and his yeah. wife and um and then you've got the obstacle which is he's introduced this shitstorm into the family <laughs> uh and then and then and then they kind of have that sort of coming together and um and like, like the mum in a way comes into her own like having that fight and killing that gremlin oh, within the she's christmas BA, tree dude she's like, yeah. more gremlins than anybody in that <laughs> film, you know she's, and, she's and that, like rambo I was gonna say you don't you don't see a, you don't see a lot of that in horror or action type films. The mum plays more the background character, mm -hmm. and it's the children that normally go off and kill the whatever it is in the film. Mm -hmm. And so when we had like a good 10, 15 minute fight scene with the mum and the gremlin, I was quite impressed that they they would put in a scene like that. So that's a great moment, you know. And also the I forgot to mention the music. Jerry Goldsmith <laughs> did the music. The whole dun 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 dun. Jerry Goldsmith gave us so many great scores, including. 
Star Trek, the motion picture, which gave us the next generation theme. Another reason why Gremlins is the best Christmas movie. I don't worry. It all works out on paper. Uh, (laughs) Also the- The the, The six degrees of- Yes, right? But also the, the Gremlins themselves, even watching it today, it doesn't feel dated. It feels like they're real characters. Gizmo, who is like just the best, most adorable creature ever in a film. Yeah. They still look real. They still look like they're actually there. They're moving. There's no CG because it was way before that, yeah. but it just still holds <clears throat> up. I just love it. You know, uh, I have two takeaways from Gremlins. The The first, uh, Gremlins fed into my fear of things that have lots of teeth. So like, mm. I was terrified of the gremlins just because of the way that their mouth looked. Like I couldn't get past that when I was younger watching <laughs> that, gremlins. That and the claws. That's like one of our main See, the claws first... never really bothered me. It was the teeth for whatever yeah. reason. Those teeth really got me. And the that's second takeaway. That's gremlins... one of the first fears we ever had, by the way. Yeah. It was like of, like teeth and claws, right? Yeah. yeah. And then Robbie's the second takeaway was always follow the directions. Like they told you how to avoid this entire situation at the very beginning and you just threw all of that out the window like all of the directions and everything should be fine yeah but we're not ready yet you know and and that's the ultimate point you know because you got the guy who's who who has gizmo at first kind of representing this older wiser way of thinking and then the dad's representing this new way where we have all these new inventions and technology, but they don't necessarily work or make mm-hmm. our lives better. So I like that dichotomy there. What do you think about they're going to make a Geeks Unleashed? Uh, Geeks Unleashed? I wish I were going to make Geeks Unleashed. A Gremlins TV show. Like, I'm cool with that. It was like animated Secrets of the Mogwai. It's going to be an HBO Max. It's done by, uh, what's his name? Zoo. I can't remember his name right now. It's the cat that does TKO. He's like the showrunner or something like that, or a head writer. So I'm excited for it. And they keep talking about Gremlins 3. It was recently in the news cycle again, but this happens like every year. They talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. Gremlins 3. But My only uh, takeaway was it, Phoebe Cates. When I forgot that, completely had forgotten she was in it, I see her and I just remember she was the it. Like she, she, she was, was the girl. She actually had quite an awesome moment as well. Like um, it was pretty dark, like for a comedy horror. I and mean, then she turns around turning in this story about her dad dying in the chimney. Right. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, story. Oh, yeah. no, no, I was I mean, like, she's just, she like... was just like the it actress of that time period. Like the, it, to me, it just represents this whole time. You know, yeah. she was wonderful. Absolutely. Fast times at Richmond High. Yeah. Gremlins. I mean, yeah. she was just, I just loved her. That moment though, where she's talking about the Santa and she also yeah. has a great moment before that, where she's like, not everybody has to like Christmas. And a lot of people feel mm. that pressure, like, you know, sometimes yeah. for a lot of people, Christmas is one of the most depressing times of the year. Yeah. And so I like that they had that moment, then that really almost out of place moment where she talks about Santa. And I love in the sequel, she tries to do the same story with an Abraham Lincoln about President's Day, and they just kind of like brush her off to the side. Like, <laughs> That's enough. Of that. Um, well, well, we'll tie up Gremlins and, um, and Robbie's passion for uh, Gremlins has been clearly observed <laughs> so, um, and we will move on to Stephen Fox and uh, while you were sleeping yeah man well first of all uh, Gremlins is like a fantastic Christmas movie um, <clears throat> I know you're ready to move on but yes the one thing I was going to say the yeah. Gremlins and Terminator are two series that were part of my childhood that really are much more horror movies than what 
what they're remembered as. And Robbie, you were talking about it being kind of family friendly. And that's because back when those movies came out, families watched them. They were never family friendly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, man. Like Goonies. Holy crap, man. Like in the first 10 minutes, they're gluing a penis on upside down. So it's like, (laughs) anyway, but, uh, but yeah, man. And one of the smartest things in Gremlins is, okay, so the threat of the villain is only as, it's only as intimidating as the hero is vulnerable. Like, how much does he have to lose? You know what I mean? Hmm. So you have baby Yoda and Billy, and they're both like, <clears throat> I mean, Gizmo is so blanking adorable that, of course, nobody wants him to die. And then Billy is this guy who has, like, mounds of potential. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Look, yeah, man. Has, like, oh, here you go. He has all this unrealized <laughs> potential. Um, yeah, man. It's just, it's. I, I, that movie is brilliant. And the last thing I'll say is Phoebe Cates, her character, I think her name's Kate, her father, when I was, when I was a kid and I saw this movie, I thought that is the dumbest human that has ever freaking lived. What moron would actually climb down a chimney? <laughs> anyway, that's all. But okay. So as far as while you were sleeping, if, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, um, like people listening, it's, um, it you really can stream a, it on Disney Plus, by the way. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, actually, that's how my wife and I stumbled across it. And we have a uh, daughter that's 12. And she just, we're at that point where we're realizing, holy crap, man, she's not a little thing. She's mm-hmm. a person. And I mean, they're all people, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> she's a child <laughs> with opinions, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. I swear, I swear they have them from like four onwards. Like, they, do, yeah, they, they do, man. <laughs> yeah, and they can't coexist with yours. You know what I mean? It's like, um, no, but so while you're sleeping, she is really into uh, the the uh, Princess Bride. That's one of her favorite movies. So she's we're starting to discover all of these like classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ran across while you were sleeping. And holy crap. I mean, it's not it has elements of a Christmas movie. It's all about family. Um, the story is it focuses on Lucy, who my youngest daughter's name is Lucy. So she loves it now, too. <laughs> but she's a it's so funny, man. So love potion number nine. Oh my God, um, I love that movie <laughs> so much. Bullock yep. and oh, God, while you were sleeping, it. while you were sleeping, um, and <clears throat> and Miss Congeniality. So it's so funny. Sandra Bullock, I have always regarded as one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood, but she is continually cast as this like this unassuming, shy. Oh, she's pretty. Oh, I hadn't noticed that she's pretty kind of situations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same thing in, in while you were sleeping, she's lonely by herself, very shy. Um, but she, <clears throat> she works in a, a toll booth, not a toll booth, uh, in a booth uh, essentially to get uh, to the uh, train t- station. T- t- ticket office. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And uh, this guy comes through every single day on his way to work and she just falls in love imagining what he's like um anyway he falls on the tracks and she panics she doesn't know what to do so she just out of sheer instinct she jumps on the tracks rolls him off and gets swept up into this whole story and anyway it's all about her connecting with his family under this like crazy assumption about who he is and figuring out like that, sh- that this family is like 
their relationship with her is based on this lie, but it becomes something really sweet. It's just, it's one of the sweetest movies I've ever seen. And it's not, um, it, it doesn't have like a crazy amount of uh, content that, you know, you are, you wouldn't want to watch with your parents. <laughs> For me, <laughs> it's not so much watching it with your kids. <laughs> watching something with your parents is the real test because <laughs> your kids, you can look at them and go, well, that's life. It's coming. But <laughs> when you're with your parents, you're like, um, I don't endorse this. I'm a better person than this <laughs> anyway. But uh, it's just a really, it's a really innocent movie and it has, Sandra Bullock is just a very charismatic actress. Very, she just ha- exudes this feeling of being friendly and uh, approachable and just sweet. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie, and it's it's set all throughout Christmas and a little bit after. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I re- again I rewatched it this week, and I I thought it was actually really lovely. I probably a long time ago that I watched this film, and. Um, I think Sandra was in one of my other favorite films, Speed, uh, yep. with Keanu Reeves, <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Speed Two. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. You say unfortunately, but she cashed the check. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably not. Unfortunately for her, she still got work afterwards, which was good. So, and yeah. I imagine she won she... an Oscar afterwards, didn't she? No. Uh, yes, she did. Actually, do you know what though? She, <laughs> she she was amazing. Gravity, like Gravity, is so good. Like, yeah. um, you know, even George Clooney was bearable in Gravity. He's so smug. <laughs> that that little head shake and grin. <laughs> Come on, uh, uh, I no, adore uh, George Clooney. Y'all uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Batman, though. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the Batman. No one does. Batman no one refused. enjoys that Batman. No, do you know what? The other day I saw on Netflix. Sorry, I'm completely dropping this now. Like, I saw that there's, um, I forgot the name of it, the George Clooney film that's coming out in about two or three days. No, probably about 10 days in uh, on Netflix. It's uh, sort of an end of the world type of thing with George Clooney. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I have a screener of it, but I haven't uh, even uh, taken a, had a moment to take a look at it yet. But like honestly, I actually said to my wife, I was like, I normally nice bag guy. on George. Clo- yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I normally bag on George Clooney, but I was like, this actually looks pretty good. Like, I would watch this. Michael um, Clayton was phenomenal. Um, he has done some amazing stuff. But my mom used to tell me something about. She's like, if <clears throat> when handsome or attractive people know they're handsome or attractive they're not handsome and attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just little grin just says, I am the handsomest human you've ever seen. And he is. Yeah, really, he was sticks. on TV and tried so hard for years, you yeah. guys. He was on Facts of Life. As he like was a- on ER. Right, but that's where he became yeah. famous. Yeah. But you don't understand, he would have been working for like 20 years already. Just yeah. nobody knew who he was. ER made him famous. ER well, made because- him George Clooney. Yeah, well, everybody yeah. was like, no, he's too good looking. But, um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll bring it back to uh, while we were sleeping rather than George Clooney. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can talk about George Clooney, maybe a whole episode or something like that. Right. Like, I'll uh, be on that one. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll start with <laughs> Batman and Robin and we'll just work our way way upwards. And, um, so, Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you no, can only go up from there. Yeah, you can only go up from Batman and Robin. So, um, Although, do you know what? When I watched the cinema, I actually did enjoy it. It was great. I it was on reflection, I felt it was terrible. Oh yeah, it's but, like Scooby Doo. Um, you grow up and it stinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but no. So while you were sleeping, when I watched it, I thought, Do you know what? Actually, like you, I when I put it on, um, 
my six-year-old started watching it with me and it's a film that you can watch with any child like there's nothing offensive in this film at all um and my six-year-old is asking me question after question after question why is she lying about being engaged to him why is she doing why why is she doing that and i was That's like, a valid question. like i was like yeah no i was like yeah no it's a good question like and i i was like yeah no i, I get where you're coming from it, it's not good to lie like and um and like, but i know why i love it sandra sandra Bullock is really is so cute and adorable throughout the whole film i was like well oh, she's someone i'd love to be friends with like her character i'm sure in person she's lovely too but like her character is is so adorable throughout the whole film and i love her relationship to her landlord and the landlord's son and um, i forget all their names but like i love just her interaction like the door knocks and she's like no i said joey like no joey i won't i won't i won't go out of you no i won't do this won't do that. but i love their journey as well although he's a real sort of third great character in the in the movie at the end like when they're hugging and she's like come on do you want to come in and try on some of my shoes like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know just yep. their journey as well was like a real secondary storyline throughout the film but it was just she's just yeah. adorable with everybody mm-hmm. like and well, uh, you know uh, and, and yeah so the journey as well like through throughout the film that like you just said she's lonely and she doesn't just fall in love with bill pullman's character she falls in love with their family and it, it is honestly yeah. a really good feel good sort of christmasy movie and I, I yeah i actually really enjoyed this i probably would yeah not watch it straight away but i'd probably be happily yeah. to put this on my christmas list for next year so. yeah it goes yeah. back to what robbie said though with like the the family ties like she her mom died when she was very young uh her dad passed away a couple of years ago after a long like hospital bout with what i can assume is cancer they don't really say in the in the film um but like she like you said she's lonely and it's christmas it's the holidays and she can see all of these other people that are spending time with families and and that sort of thing and so she clings to this family because she doesn't have anything else and it's not not that she's like actively lonely and miserable it's just that once she finds this family she realizes what she's missing out on because she doesn't have anything like that um so watching that journey and kind of it's kind of like the reverse like watching them fall in love with her too yeah uh, is 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 a really fun part of of that movie oh yeah because the godfather guy he knows from the very beginning uh that she's lying and he he's on a on her side and um but he kind of doesn't want to let her go either. So he doesn't right. want to yeah. tell the family that it's a lie. So yeah. They, but they he do. also doesn't want her to wind up with Peter either. No, yeah. 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 <laughs> Peter, you're a putz. Yes. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, the one thing that I over, the one thing that I always overlook, Bill Pullman, holy crap. T- okay, so to me, he's the anti-Clooney because he, he's like so charming, but he's so like every man. Yes, like, he's very and, unassuming. Oh my gosh. But yeah, he's awesome. He's he's like I'm falling in love with him watching the movie. It's yeah. like <laughs> anyway, it's just uh yeah. And he was both the... of them balance each other really well. Yeah. I don't know if um you guys like with Bill Pullman, he was in um uh well, he's been in loads of things, but when I see him I can't help but see him as the character he played in Torchwood. I don't know if any of you watched Torchwood at all. <laughs> like, but he played a pedophile serial killer. Oh, oh no. Um, <laughs> like in Torchwood. Yay. And seeing him and seeing him in this love interest role, I was like, 
I'm finding it really difficult. Like, to, to, to just, <laughs> oh my god, it's not. Yeah. I, honestly, like he his cat because I I remember, I remember seeing him in Independence Day as like the president, and yeah. he was brilliant in Independence Day. Um, other than his cheesy speech, but like, come on, that's it was the best the, part like, of that movie. Like, <laughs> like, 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 maybe it's because I'm British. Like, like, like a British thing. Like, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I know, like, maybe if he got up there and talked about how wonderful the British were, I'd probably be down. But I got it. Yeah. But, but yeah. in Torchwood, though, like, he played this such horrible character and played it so well. Uh, and then seeing him play the love interest in in uh, while you were sleeping though it does show though his acting chops the fact that yeah. he can play such yeah. different roles um no i i i really love bill pullman I totally off subject that. i feel the same way about aaron eckhart because he was in this film called towelhead which offensive title but it was about uh like this girl who was having a really hard time like coming of age and it, it was taking place in houston which is where i live and her father was some kind of engineer at nasa or something like that anyway like aaron eckhart played this creepy neighbor next door and he molested her so when aaron eckhart was in uh when he was in the dark night i was like i don't like you harvey dent <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah i, I totally it- get that like they play one really bad role but that bad role sometimes really sticks right, with like you and it's hard you. to yeah, see them in yeah, anything yeah. else yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I know yeah, there's a lot of times where you see an actor playing one real like real intense role and they play it so well when you see them in a completely opposite role it is quite hard to separate sometimes yeah despite the fact that this came out in the 90s and Torchwood came out it was I don't know five ten years ago or something um yeah so he obviously did torture it afterwards but yeah no he's I, I really liked him in this role uh in uh while you were sleeping he was a nice everyday man like you know and I liked seeing the sort of the carpentry and you know and his ambitions to sort of be his own man and separate from his dad and run his own business and steal his brother's girlfriend and and um <laughs> well, you know, like, hey, Rick, he played uh, cards for us but, he won her fair and square playing cards but, but, I, actually, yeah. I actually I actually I actually did like how honorable he was about it when she said like give me a reason not to do it and he's like I can't give you a reason yeah uh, you know um so yeah I, I did like I did like his character and I did well I enjoyed some of his character but the whole film is just it's just a really nice feel-good film yeah all right Mark it's your turn yeah yeah um, call me off guard then. Normally, normally it's me that moves it on. Like, anyway, so, like, um, anyway, I am doing Die Hard 1998. So we no, are all alive. 1988. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, 1988. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we were all alive either way. Uh, <laughs> set, set in Los Angeles. Um, which I have been to. Um, so uh, anyway, there's two types of Christmas films, I feel. And I was thinking about this a lot, actually, because you hear a lot of people arguing that Die Hard is not a Christmas film. Um, and in fact, I had, uh, I've had quite a lot of conversations, had a big conversation earlier about it, um, but with other people uh, about how Die Hard is not a Christmas film. But I kind of think, no, there's two different kinds of Christmas films. You've got festive ones, which is kind of like while you were sleeping, Home Alone, all that kind of stuff. And then you've got non-festive Christmas films like Gremlins, Die Hard. What I, I what I think, you know, the festive ones are like, you know, with kids in and family ones and around the fireplace and, you know, the those kind of ones. But the non-festive ones like Die Hard, 
Um, and, and it's kind of why I argue that it's a Christmas film. Firstly, it is set at Christmas. Um, you know, it's a big win. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's got to be set at Christmas to be a Christmas film. Um, and that's why I like Die Hard 1 and 2, I think, are Christmas films. Yes. Whilst, while Die Hard 3 onwards... Not a Christmas non, movie. Non-Christmas films. <laughs> um, so, you know, you start with the, pre- the whole... If you take away all the horribleness, this is a journey about a man who essentially comes home for Christmas and arrives in LA and goes to a Christmas party, you know, an office Christmas party, and something goes wrong. We'll cover that in a minute. Horribly and, wrong. And horribly wrong. <laughs> However, his journey is to be reunited with his wife and children at Christmas time. So if you summarize it like that, it's a Christmas film. <laughs> <laughs> stick with me so anyway <laughs> so as we know the premise it all goes wrong so john mcclain uh, if you don't know who john mcclain is honestly like you know i don't know where what are you hiding. doing with your life yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so i i personally don't think it's christmas until john mcclain steps off that plane as the sort of grouchy type character so again this is where the stereotypical christmas movie the scrooge type character that he is you know he's kind of the scrooge the grinch you know um that's sort of the role he fits into during this movie he arrives in la goes to this party um there's friction between him and his wife which we know is going to be the obstacle that they overcome by the end of it um which they do in a really nice way as the titles go up to uh again i will come i will come to the music later but there's a nice christmas uh, bit of music that comes on as they get into the car and um so he arrives at this party and he goes off to sort himself out as shit happens as we know so <laughs> hans gruber uh, takes over the Nakatomi Tower and chaos ensues and uh, Dia, uh, sorry, John McClane uh, obviously has to save the day and this is what I love is that like um, the sergeant who he forms a bond with over the radio in my mind is the sort of voice of conscience as you will Jacob Marley type character of the movie so the two of them will be having a nice relationship throughout the movie as the Scrooge and Jacob Marley of the movie. And, um, I, you know, and it's sort of a nice little buddy, buddy cop type scenario. And, um, and as he goes around the building, he starts to eventually go from having no weapons to gaining weapon after weapon. And it wouldn't be out Christmas, uh, wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't be Christmas if it wasn't opening the elevator door and seeing a man with a bloody t-shirt that says now i have a machine gun ho, 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 ho. in blood <laughs> i mean you can't you know it, it can't be christmas until you've all got blood in your shirt saying yeah. that like you know and in all my mind you know it's not christmas really until you see hans gruber falling down the side of that building so <laughs> now now to, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. thank you robbie thank you <laughs> I mean, it's the best CGI that ever was. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. it's such it's a good CGI because they dropped him before they were supposed to. So they were, <laughs> they were counting down, and they dropped him sooner than they said he would. So that reaction that he gives when his eyes get really wide—that is actually <laughs> Alan Rickman freaking the fuck out because they <laughs> dropped him before he was expecting to be dropped. Oh, I did not know that. That makes yes. it even better now. Yeah. Music-wise, like, come on, Run the MC, Christmas in Ho- Hollis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a tune, like, without doubt. <laughs> like, 
when he when he says, "Come on, haven't you got some Christmas music?" and that dude in yes. the limo sticks Arlo. Christmas, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. And then I mean, there's loads of Christmas themes, Christmas music throughout. I mean, the, like I said, the titles that come up nicely uh, as they're sort of driving away. Um, Let it snow. I mean, I think Let It Snow's played um, earlier is it in Bing the film Crosby? as well. Um, Oh, don't ask me that. Like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, it's very classic Christmas like, music. It's yeah. very. Cla- there's a lot of cl- classic Christmas tunes in there. Mm-hmm. We've got snow. We've got. It's just a. It's a nice, feel-good family Christmas movie. I would argue that it's probably twelve up, but you could all sit there and embrace the fact that a man gets home to his family and he's going home for Christmas. There you go. And that is why <laughs> Die Hard is the best Christmas movie there ever was. Well, so. I'm going to start off with this. Yep. Probably one of our greatest presidents ever, Mr. President Barack Obama, was doing a book tour. Did a guest star on Jimmy Fallon just the other day. And they happened, Jimmy was asking him questions, and he happened to ask... Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer from Mr. President Barack Obama is no. It is an action movie during Christmas. Love him, but that is incorrect. It's a Christmas movie. Every president is perfect. He wouldn't be re-elected now. (laughs) If I could vote, there would be... be Any movie that opens with Christmas music is a Christmas movie, period. Because why else would you put Christmas music in a movie that wasn't about Christmas? Yeah, yeah. It's a Christmas movie, 100%. It's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. (laughs) I just thought it was really funny how I just found out, and then right at that point, I happened to catch that, and I just started laughing. I was like, that's got to be my go-to quote. (laughs) I want to talk about Alan Rickman. Come on, my Alan Rickman. He was great. Uh, my, my favorite scene with him in it was when when he kidnaps what well, kidnaps when he like finally takes Holly and yeah. she realizes like are you shitting me you guys are thieves and she was like you're just a common thief and he stops what he's doing and gets in her face and he's like uh I am an excellent thief and I was like yes let's just just so we're clear he's an excellent thief not a common thief I, I love well, it as well. Like um, when he, when um, him and um, John McClane kind of meet up, and he's like, suddenly his voice changes, and he's like, oh, you know, like save me. Um, and then, and like, when yeah, he's what, wait, what did he do, Mark? <laughs> yeah, like he's like, oh, don't, don't shoot me, like, and all that. Like, and, uh, That's my ringtone. Uh, I'm not going to try and do an American accent. Like, uh, <laughs> his American accent in that film cracks me up when he's like, oh gosh, or, yeah, oh, exactly, it's so freaking funny. Yeah, he's like, awful. He's doing an Austrian trying to do an American accent or something mm. like that. It's so funny. It's very weird. You know that um, uh, the tower scene though. I do love that. Um, I'm you know in Jump to Die Hard Three, the summer movie, um, when uh, John McClane finds out that the villain in Die Hard Three is related to um, uh, uh, invited to Alan Rickman's character, and and you just and it flashes back to like you just said, Alan Rickman fall, falling off the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually I do love it. I have to say I do love a trilogy that references a a, a earlier film and brings yeah. things round round. Like that is a good trilogy move. So I do I do like the fact that they didn't let Alan Rickman's character go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Han, Han's sort of legacy did live on beyond the first film. It's always good when like a movie 
a, a, a movie villain goes beyond their actual movie and mm-hmm. brings somebody back like who's connected. So I thought that was a good twist in the third film. So yeah, yeah. Well, I had observations. One is what's what's McLean's wife's name again? Holly. Oh, Holly. Holly. Yeah. 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 There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> Christmas movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But... I forgot to mention that was my other point. They called her Holly. How, how, you know, like, that's, that's it. You but. Know? Yeah. I will say this though. Yeah. I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I think it's it's a movie. It could be an Easter movie if you want to watch no, it on Easter. No, it's no, just no. it's like Back people, to the Future. People don't have it's... Easter office parties. <laughs> no, yeah. When was the last Easter office party you went to? There is yeah. also no Easter music <laughs> yeah, other than come like on. church well, hymnals. I'm, no. I'm I'm ninety percent kidding, but it's no, like no. Back to the Future. It's one of those movies that if you want to watch it, you can you can make it appropriate to watch because it's freaking awesome. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. He's the Christmas he gets off the plane. Yeah. He's bringing Christmas gifts. The first song you hear in the film is a Christmas song. They're taking place on it takes place on Christmas Eve. <laughs> They're having a Christmas party. There are Christmas trees. There are Christmas Jasmine? gifts. This I is sense, a Christmas film. I sense this is not the first time you've had to, to argue this. I make this argument every year. <laughs> <laughs> every I year. I argue well, this with my wife case. constantly. Like when we, me and my, my wife watched this with me while we were watching it, and she was like, "No, it's not a Christmas film." And yes, I was literally is. pointing <laughs> out, I was pointing out thing after thing. I was like, yeah. "How can you not tell me it's a Christmas film?" And then she said, "About I could get around Die Hard two more being a Christmas film than this one." I, and Why? I because like, it takes place in DC and there's snow like, on the ground. Like, well, I, like, <laughs> like, but but she was coming you around. Just, she your was coming voice around. just went up I'm and sorry. Uh, that was a little elevation there (laughs) yeah but anyway whether we think it's a christmas movie or not as it's on this list we would say it's a christmas film um because i because i put it on there there you go like like, do you know what though like i've gone on playlists of movies and stuff and and people put it on there so uh i did i did actually do you know what i did read somewhere that there was a vote in america um i can't i haven't got the exact numbers but there was a vote somewhere on america of uh whether die hard's a christmas film or not and unfortunately this doesn't help my case but 66 percent of people that voted said it wasn't a christmas film well 66 percent of the people are wrong yeah yeah, yeah. well happened before uh, to be uh, honest if they voted in 2016 it might have been a <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. no comments. So we'll bring we'll bring bring Die Hard to a close. But I would say overall, you know, it's a good film, whether it's Christmas or not. And um, you know, who can't love Bruce Willis back in his heyday? Um, you know, he was you know, like the seventh choice to play that character. Like, oh, was he? Yes. They first was Stallone. He was busy. So then they went to Arnold. Arnold was busy. Then they even went. Um, I want to say they even tried for like Charles Bronson and and he was busy. Like they went through quite a few people before they finally got to Bruce Willis. Cause before this, like the only thing that Bruce Willis had done was like Moonlight. And mm. so, like he had done a lot of uh, comedy awesome. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I love it. <laughs> like he, he's done a lot of comedy stuff, but he hadn't really done anything actiony. So this like launched his action career. But he was definitely he was, like he was, he was funny. He was funny yeah. in this film. Like oh, yeah. you know, he's, oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, they were nervous though because he didn't fit that mold. Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Because they look. thought that nobody would buy it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. so what? This is a, a very quick tangent. Speaking of, so trading spaces. Places. places trading places trading places not the yeah not the home repo yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was 
that was imagined to be a Richard Pryor Gene Hackman vehicle. Which Gene would Wilder. have been phenomenal. It would have been, but yeah. Eddie Murphy, holy crap. Yeah, he's great. So great. Sorry, so, um, a tangent. That's fine, that's fine. Like, um, So if you guys want to have a quick little vote in the chat, um, you can't vote for your own movie, but put your vote forward for the other movie that you've heard in this chat. I will vote last. And while sure, uh, does everyone know how to get the chat up? There's an option somewhere on the Zoom. If you hover over the bottom of the screen, there's a chat. I see it. There's a chat option. Um, So whilst everybody is voting for their other Christmas film, I will tell you a Christmas joke. Um, (laughs) Who is is Santa's favourite singer? Who? Elf is Presley. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, wait. I have one. I have one. I have one. Okay. Why does Santa have three gardens? Because he's a 90-year-old grandmother? <laughs> so he can ho, ho, ho. Oh. These are terrible. I've got another one. How, how does Darth Vader enjoy his Christmas turkey? With one hand? On the dark side. <laughs> 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 so I, I um, sorry about I was, that. I didn't say. <laughs> I I was gonna. So I I've put my vote in the chat, and um, of the uh, films that have been voted for, Die Hard does win the Christmas movie. Uh, Die Hard and then the also three... won on our Twitter poll as well. Oh wow! Wow. So. Well. so um, the other films we voted for were individual, so Gremlins, Trading Places, and While You Were Sleeping all got one vote each, and Die Hard got two votes. So, with, <laughs> with, with, with that said, um, <laughs> Die Hard wins our Geeks and Leash Christmas. Uh, yes, it's a Christmas uh, movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I demand a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, next time we do this, we'll put a few more people on here and maybe we might get to Gremlins. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, having said oh, that, man. though, I do think they're all really nice, wonderful Christmas films. Like some of them more family friendly than others, but like, you know, they are all good Christmas, feel good films. And, and they all kind of like, if you look at it, they're all the same thing. You know, Bruce Willis comes home for Christmas, has to kill a bunch of people before he gets home. <laughs> You know, a minor, like, minor thing, like, you know, it Christmas happens. Christmas spirit. Yeah, yeah g- Gremlins, Gremlins, the same thing, you know. Kill a few people. Yeah, you know, kill a few people. Gremlins yeah. scared you as, you know, it's scarier for kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I, I even just watch it, rewatch it, I remember how scared I was. Yeah. Like, yeah, that it yeah. scared me. Whereas Die Hard didn't scare me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I think, you know, even um, the family man, the obstacle was kind of different. It was the obstacle was himself. Like, you know, he, he had to get over his own problems that he just wanted to sleep around and earn money. Um, so that was that uh, actually the obstacle was, was him changing. Uh, trading places was the obstacle of taking down the Dukes and, yeah. and actually forming a nice relationship to before ending actually with, not necessarily ending up in a well they kind of form a family bond you know the butler yeah, and they do. Um, you know like mm-hmm. you know uh, it's not a traditional family it's more a family of friends yeah, it's like a found a, family 
yeah found, it's more yeah actually that is probably one of out of these movies it's a found family rather than a family of blood mm-hmm. where the rest of them are a family of blood getting back together but yeah no they're all good christmas feel good films just there's an obstacle in each one that you need to get over that hurdle uh <laughs> so uh so thanks everyone for sort of going through that but before we sort of finish up it would be nice to sort of go around the virtual room and just hear a little bit of what else you may have enjoyed this year like your favorite book song album tv movie you know just randomly off the top of your head if you've got something like that and um uh, steven i'll start with you yeah so um when i was a kid i ran across uh, marvel used to have an epic line for um indie comics um and uh there was a title called elf quest by um a couple wendy and richard uh denny um and actually penny sorry um and it is it's one of the most um overlooked uh comics ever published it it went on for i I believe 13 volumes of about 350 pages each um they did it for 30 plus years it is one of the richest uh, most illustrative um fantasy stories ever ever put in comics if not i mean i can't think of anything that comes close um it has a it follows um, just a, a group of elves <clears throat> um, who are finding their their legacy and destiny at the same time. It's uh, fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. I just reread the first volume again recently. So, well, I'm always keen to add new books to the stack. <clears throat> what about Robbie? What about yourself? Anything you've particularly enjoyed this year? Well, I'm putting my list together right now. My best comics of the year, and yeah. and I haven't quite nailed down what I think is the best, but definitely one I think is one of the best and definitely needs to have a little bit more push behind it. I don't see so many people talking about it is an image book called blue and green. And it's by Rom V. And I believe the artist is Renand Arkay or a something like that. But uh, Rom V is one of my favorite writers right now. He did mm-hmm. the Savage Shores over at vault comics last year. Uh, blue and green is a really great story about this dude who goes home. He finds a picture of some random uh, saxophone player with his mom stuff his mom just recently passed away he's been away from home he comes back he becomes obsessed with this photo and finding out who it is because it connects him to his mother's life before she had children and she was really into the jazz scene so the book is very heavily influenced by jazz as far as the culture but also the way that jazz music can be like improvised and they go on these tangents and they come back to a main theme that's what they do with the book through the structure of the writing the artwork it is beautiful it's amazing it is by far one of the best books of the year it's a graphic novel blue and green fantastic i have to be honest i've not heard of it i try to keep on top of comics even if i don't read them all just to be aware of everything um i'm gonna stick that out i've got next week off i would be keen to to read that um if i can squeeze in some me time as well as looking after two <laughs> little girls so uh like, fantastic. um yeah no no cheers for that um peggy what about yourself um I didn't have a comic. I have um doesn't have to be a comic. Documentary. Be right. No, I'm just saying like my thing was uh, I was I was a Grinchy. This is about two weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago. And it just, you know, sometimes everything hits you. And mm. L.A. was heading into another lockdown. We have our hospitals are overflowing. It just I went of all the random things. I had made an appointment a few days earlier at the nail salon and I went in and I was, they had to close the next day and it just like a lot of things just got to me, you know, like it just Mm -hmm. hit me and I came home and I was like, I started watching this movie called 
they'd sent me a screener of Operation Santa. And it's something I didn't know about. When all the kids write Christmas letters to Santa, it goes to the United States Postal Office. And now since like 1940, there's a group that gets together. You There's organizations and you adopt a letter, you know, like you say you're gonna do things. And these people are all volunteers and they've been doing this and now it's online. And it's just about giving and about happiness and the joy and you know how parents even write and ask for you know certain things and kids what different kids from like when paradise california burned down of the different type of toys they go from city to city across the states and how what chicago asked for and what this you know what a small town asked for just the difference in everything and it just like it was what i needed at that moment to wipe away the grinchies what was that on <laughs> It's just, it's called Operation Santa, and I believe it's on video on demand right now. It might be on Prime coming up, thing, okay. I think. But it, but it was just, that you know. That sounds really sweet. You yeah. just need something, mm-hmm. and it was just right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh my gosh, you know, yes, all this is happening, but look at this. Yeah. You know, look how amazing something can still be. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. And like, like a hope, but just a ray of hope, just as a slight, you know, like I said, to get take chase away the Grinchies. Yeah, and Jasmine, yourself. Uh, so no surprise, I'm going to pick an anime. I'm no, also wearing, no, I'm wearing an shirt here. Someone just gave me this as a Christmas gift from My Hero Academia. Um, so one of the best things I watched this year was something that I've been waiting for since the beginning of the year, but it's a uh, Haikyuu to the top part two, the <laughs> second half of the fourth season. Uh, it, this is an anime about boys volleyball, boys high school volleyball. Um, and this anime really like got to me because I played volleyball in middle school. So it's, it's one of those things where it's nostalgic for me in the sense that like, I understand the sport from a player perspective. So I really enjoy it. The characters are fantastic. And we finally have gotten to the part where Karasuno High School is playing in the national tournament. Um, It's super sweet. They are the underdogs. Everyone has counted them out. Nobody thinks that they're going to do anything. Um, So the entire second half of the first season is them playing another team in Japan called uh, their Inrazaki. So it's, it's great. Like, yeah, it, some people are like, yeah, but it's literally half a season about one match. And I get that. But it's it's like a culmination of the entirety of the first three seasons. So we finally get a team that has finally come together. They're finally playing as a team. Uh, everybody is connecting. Everybody's firing on all cylinders. And it's just, it's so much fun to root for the underdogs. So uh, one of the best things I watched this year, definitely, definitely got to give it to Haikyuu to the top part two. Also, Robbie, if you are into jazz, there is a jazz anime called Kids on the Slope uh, that takes place in the 60s in rural Japan. But uh, it kind of, the the people that did like all of the background stuff and all the behind the scenes stuff, like they actually pulled in Japanese jazz musicians to do the music and the lyrics and all of that stuff. Uh, but it's basically the same thing. It's like these kids that are kind of improvising and they're playing stuff like these kids are 14, 15, and they're obsessed with John Coltrane. Um, but it is, it's a phenomenal series. It's only 12 episodes. It's really, 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 really cute. If, if you're into it, I'm just kids on the slope. It's on Crunchyroll. So. I have to check it out. I wrote it down in my little note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
He's, uh, you've added that to the two watch list, haven't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, at number 372, you know. Do you know what? Like, obviously, uh, four Americans, one British guy on here. Like, most of my content is American. Like, you know, I read American comics. I don't really like British comics. I watch mainly American TV films. Very rare does English stuff come across me that I actually like and enjoy. And it is because we just don't have the, the, the money over here to, to fund really good, strong content. Um, but when we do, it's fucking amazing. Like, you know, Lufa is probably one of the best shows ever made. Holy crap, uh, yes. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> if you've not seen Lufa, fucking just what's going on Lufa's probably one of the best police shows ever made so Gangs of London that came out in the summer in the middle of all the crap that was going on this year I didn't watch it like, but then Jasmine said it's coming out over there on AMC let's, let's review the first three episodes for, this, for the pod so we did and I carried on going. I was like, this is brilliant. Like, it's like uh, eight episodes and there is going to be a season two at some point. But obviously because of COVID, everything's been thrown out the window. However, however it ends on like the biggest cliffhanger. Oh, honestly, it's such a good show. So it, it, it's basically about gangs of, of London. But there is one family that kind of rule the gangs. And that, that family is the Wallace family. And the head of the Wallace family is killed off in the first five minutes. There's no spoilers here. He dies yeah. straight, straight, straight away. And, and he, he, you know, he's gone. Um, he does come back in flashbacks throughout the show. Um, however, it then becomes about his mental nutcase son, Sean Wallace, uh, taking over the throne uh, and then teaming up with undercover policeman, Elliot Wallace, uh, Elliot Finch, sorry. And Elliot Finch... Um, uh, what's the actor's name? Shelby Diop. Yeah, I can't say it. Um, so yeah, like, but he is honestly one of the best actors I have seen this year. Uh, that his fight scenes are so brutal. Uh, the and fight amazing. choreography in Gangs of London is amazing. I mean, okay, but wait like, a minute, is, isn't it only on AMC Plus? Yes, it's only on AMC Plus. Okay, that's what I thought because I haven't been able to see it. Yeah, it will be on AMC have... Linear, but not until spring ish. Ah. Okay. Uh, Man, like, awesome. like over here, I, I'm, I'm assuming. I was gonna say by that time, I'll forget about, like, forget uh, that you guys have told me about it. No, don't worry, that, we that, won't you know what you, I mean. The spoiler lines. We're probably gonna re-review it uh, before it comes out on linear. It is, no, I meant the spoiler lines because I really, I heard about it and I was oh, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, spoil, I'm not gonna spoil the twist. Okay. The twist, uh, like, oh, okay. I'm trying, try, like, Jasmine hasn't finished it, but I have. But like, I said to her, like, you've got to watch this. The twist really is just so good at the end. Like, um, there's. There's the gangs, and then there's something else which starts to rise up towards the end. Like, and I don't want to say what that is, but then that starts to take prominence towards the last few episodes. So, yeah, if you haven't watched Gangs London, it's probably one of the best TV shows I've, I've seen all year. Like, action, choreography, just how clever it is, the script, the acting, it, it is good. And I tell you what, some of those twists that happen at the end, like, Honestly, I just did not see coming. In the last sort of 20 minutes of the of episode eight, I was like shock after shock. I was just like, the, the, these people that created this show were not afraid to pull the trigger on their twists. And um, and I literally mean pull the trigger. So that's all I'm going to say. It's one of the best shows going. So uh, yeah, like, you know, best shows of 2020. So um, 
Well, that sort of starts to bring us to the close of the Geeks and Niche Christmas special. It's been amazing to have um, not just myself and Jasmine, joined by obviously Rasmine, uh, uh, Jasmine and myself, joined by Robbie and Peggy and Stephen. Um, uh, again, it's been amazing. So before we start to close, the three of you would like to shout out sort of any social medias and anything you've got coming up that, you know, be just great to hear. Um, Peggy, do you want to quickly shout out yours? Sure. My Twitter is at pegs at the movies and Instagram is Peggy at the movies. Just real quick. I've got, um, I review for, you know, various things, uh, cherry picks approved. So you'll always find stuff for me on the cherry picks and the cherry picks is really great because it's all different female and and non-binary critics coming together to post their stuff. It's, you know, a great place to go. Uh, if you ever want to just, and it's, they have some random things sometimes that I've never, you know, heard of. They've got great insight on it. So it's an interesting site. Um, Robbie, I know, I know you've got something coming up in half an hour. Yeah, uh, I'm about to be talking about Gremlins for, for an hour and a half. So that's really <laughs> exciting. Um, so yeah, oh, Pop Culture Philosophers is a YouTube channel. We uh, have a podcast that will be returning in 2021 because we only did one episode this year. But uh, we got lots of content on YouTube. I do a weekly comic book review um, where I read a lot of new comic books every single week and let you know what I thought about them. I do <clears> weekly <throat> pop culture wrap-ups where we wrap over the, the, the comic book TV and movie news of the week. We have live movie reviews that we do most Friday nights. Um, we have a live show that I do on Sunday nights, Rock and Robbie Live, which is the hypest place to be Sunday <laughs> nights on YouTube. So popculturephilosophers.com is our website and you can follow me on twitter at the rock and robbie <laughs> uh, i watch robbie's content or i don't can't watch all the live shows because it comes out way too late for me but i do generally watch it back like later on uh i love i love the uh the weekly videos though i am amazed that one man can read so many comics in one week <laughs> so uh, like, like uh it, it, it's incredible to me i struggled to get through about 10 a week so it's um it's amazing to me to see it but no i what i love is though someone like who can put that content together for me to be able to actually say no that shit sounds like something i want to read um so yeah no cheers for for putting that out and um steven steven uh what about yourself yeah um i'm just all the different social media platforms on fox storytelling um i work as an independent um comic creator um and i'm currently working on a couple two different series on YouTube. Um, I'm chronicling kind of my process in a series I'm called making comics. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, where I post all of my different progress from, uh, how I outline stories all the way up to, um, layouts and even dealing with discouragement. Cause I think that's a pretty common, uh, theme for creatives. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine actually. So, you can also follow myself and Jasmine. We're on online ourselves, but we are Geeks Unleashed on social media. Uh, that's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as a reminder, don't forget our second podcast series. Uh, we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. So our third Late to the Party Book Club episode was Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, where we were joined by Robbie, uh, the pop culture philosophers. Uh, that episode dropped at the beginning of December, so be sure to check that out. And our next graphic novel that we're going to be covering will be Monstrous, The Awakening. And that's going to be uh, sometime January 2021. You can listen to this podcast on Podbean, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you do listen and you do love it, give us five stars. It'd be most appreciated. Thanks. So anyway, much, just brings us to the end. And I'd love to see to everyone that's listening. Have a good Christmas and a happy new year. Yeah. We'll be back in 20. 20- 
21. Yes. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Station. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Have Uh, a wonderful night. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs)